Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to World at War Comics. Today, my special guest is Mr. Brian Lambert, co-founder of Wingless Comics. Brian, thank you for coming. Congratulations on your Kickstarter. Cannot wait to dig into Air Force Ones. This title looks freaking awesome. Another awesome title to the collection of awesome titles over at Wingless. Um, can't wait to talk about it, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. It's just an honor. And it's pretty awesome just to have people uh, like yourself that we can actually just geek out over not only the comics that we know and love already and the stuff we got, but the stuff we're creating. So it's uh, it's pretty dope. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's, what's cool is, you know, TikTok, you know, I was, I don't know about you, but, you know, at least me personally, I'm a little bit older. So I'm like, man, I'm not touching TikTok, man. That's not for me. And uh, man, when I finally jumped in, the community that has taken place around action figure uh, collecting, um, comic book creating. It's just, I, I don't know, Brian, I, I find it uh, for the most part, right? There's always going to be a few knuckleheads that come in and want to create some trouble. But for the most part, man, it's such an amazing community. I don't know if you're feeling the same way, but there's a lot of support. And I don't know, I love it, man. I get to meet amazing people like yourself, um, which I think is awesome. And what's great as a creator, right? You meet other people that ha maybe have a few years on you that are always willing to offer support and advice and mentorship. Uh, I just love it, man. And, and it's such a pleasure to be able to meet you through that, uh, that same forum. Yeah. You know what? I, uh, Danny Quick, uh, Ace Blade and Fourth World Comics, that's my guy. Um, yeah. I actually edit Ace Blade and, and, uh, Lumberjacks now and a couple other titles. Again, we're really, good friends and stuff and uh he was the one who made me do it man yeah. he had been talking to me for months and months and he's got a really like nice size platform they're really engaged audience and stuff. all right <laughs> and he was like yo man like jump on like you'll you know you don't have to do content every day uh i i feel like especially as creators we get in this content cycle of like we've got to do promo and everything you know what i mean everything gets monetized that we're doing whether or not it's monetized by the platforms themselves like what we do is monetized so it kind of gets mundane um, and Facebook, even though I started a lot of my stuff on between Facebook, Instagram, even some DeviantArt or whatever, like meeting people, man, Facebook is pretty toxic in terms of like just general commentary, like almost about anything. Yeah. Uh, and TikTok, while it has, like you said, it has those little pitfalls here and there, um, you can steer clear of it for the most part. Like if you want to, if you don't want to engage, it's easy. It's easier not to engage on TikTok. Because it's these little bites. So, um, yeah, they have, the community's been really, really cool. I met a couple guys like Dandy Strider. Um, I, I don't know their, like, name names, right? Because you get their screen names and stuff like that. And just a couple other people. Um, and, uh, yeah, I saw your cover for Kingsville. Um, and that I was like, oh, okay. I had seen it a couple times, right? Just scrolling FYP stuff before then you and I even started talking or anything. Or even, like, kind of met or mutual or however you want to say it. Yeah, because um, I'm definitely I'm an 80s kid. Right. So like I'm a little bit older, too. Definitely was like, I don't really know. But uh, there are just so many things you can kind of do yeah. with these different platforms and, and engaging different people in different communities. And what I do like about TikTok is, like you said, like there's like a TikTok action figure community, TikTok comics community, TikTok in my, you know, space where I'm at, a TikTok Gundam community, you know what I mean? Like all these like little pieces where you can find more people and kind of more focused um, easier. Agree. Agree. And Danny Quick is, I call him the TikTok king, man. The guy's, man, he puts out content like there's no tomorrow. He does little skits. Right. Man, I, I love that guy, man. He's, he's freaking amazing. So, uh, well, so let's talk about you, Mr. Brian. Um, if we could jump into Wingless, man, 
Can we kind of go back though, before even wingless, when did this passion for um, comic books, storytelling, Gundam, like all these things come together for you as a fan before you started becoming a creator and a designer of toys, which we'll talk about. <laughs> um, I think I've been doing it all my life, man, to be honest with you. And like, that's like super cliche to say, but again, I grew up in the eighties. So eighties was like a time where, like the American cartoon boom, right? Like the secondary one, you had the the original joint, but like the 80s card, you had Thundercats, Care Bears, uh, Masters of the Universe was still on, Mask, Centurions, you just had like Dino Riders, like all these cartoons, right? Uh, Pirates of Dark Water, I could go on and on and on because I love all that stuff. So I was always in that kind of mode, right? You Saturday morning cartoons till one and then Kung Fu Theater came on. Um, you had Sunday morning cartoons, you had after school, right? So that was that, that was, that was always there. I got into comics uh, around the Jim Lee, the, the relaunch, the X-Men number one, right? What everybody knows, you know, Mutant Genesis. I yeah. kind of got into comics then. I was in a little bit, but not like, not so much. Yeah. But that was like, oh man, these comics are dope. You had the little sketches of Omega Red in the expanded edition, right? Like we hadn't even, we didn't even know who Omega Red was. We yeah, had no, sketches. And then you had that up. like, right, he that fold-out pinup of him and Matsuo, like, again, I can remember like it was yesterday. And uh, so I got into comics at that point um, and was in it from then on. Uh, and storytelling in terms of comics, my favorite, I guess, because it was one that I grew up with and I saw like happen in real time was Executioner Song. That was the first I didn't know about crossovers at that time. Right. Like that way. Um, and that was you had to wait, uh, you know, week to week because it was like X-Men, X-Force, X-Factor, S. you know what I mean? So you had to like. It was, it, it, again, it was mind-blowing. It was like, oh, man, this is dope. I had never seen it like that. Uh, so that kind of got me into the storytelling aspects of it and understanding, like, how to slowly walk into plots and all these other things. And, again, I was just a kid then or whatever. So um, I, I was writing comics as as image comics came out. And I'm like, oh, man, I could do this too, right? So me and my buddies around the lunch table trying to put our comics together on, you know, on notebook paper or whatever. And uh, we did that throughout school and it just, I kind of fell off as I got a little bit older, right? Like life gets in the way, right? You start, you got to get a job, you got to do what you got to do. Um, and I continued writing, but it wasn't really focused like that. And then in 2017, I released finally, like after years and years and years of trying to do it, I released my first novel, a fantasy novel uh, called Ascension that I uh, had been working on. And after that, like after going through that publishing process, that self-publishing process, it was amazing because like it was, it was my boot camp. Right. And once I saw like, wait a minute, I can actually publish and it didn't last long, but I was a Amazon bestseller, you know, number one seller, blah, blah, blah. Something I could I can say for the rest of my life. Right. Amazon bestseller. It was only for like two weeks. Right. Number one in my category. But okay. still. Right. And then after that, it was like, oh, man, I could really do this. And like I said, Facebook was really popping at the time and the groups and stuff. So it was easy to kind of find like minded people. Um, and I met a few like minded people that are still doing, you know, concrete comics um, Advent Comics, uh, a bunch of uh, indie labels that I still work with pretty closely now and talk to Fourth Wall, like I said, Danny and those guys. Um, and it was kind of off to the races after that, man. It was it was just like I saw the path. By then I had done some schooling. I had my creative writing degree. So I kind of knew a few more mechanical things. We had done some some comic script writing through the through some of my courses. So I, I understood it a little bit better. And once I really saw a path like, oh, wait, I can hire an artist and I can actually get this done. Yeah, then I there was I, I just didn't want to stop after that. I don't think you did either. You got quite a few <laughs> titles on wingless, man. Let's just kind of 
highlight a few of these, right? You got Justice, Nightfall, Her, which was incredible, um, the Saber Initiative, um, the Immortalists. Um, those are the ones that I have seen. Some of these, like if you're listening to this, you if you're a member of Global Comics, you could read some of these um, on there as well. Um, but man, you you put out quite a bit in a short period of time. Uh, so I, I feel like you got the bug, man, and you were jumping all over it. You and the team. You know, I feel like strike while the iron's hot is, yeah. is one thing. And also I feel like um, uh, we don't, okay. We don't sometimes qualify or quantify some of the issues that artists, writers, everybody has, right. We get imposter syndrome, we get depression, we get all these different the myriad of things. Right. And there's a spectrum of how hard or how light these things hit you. Uh, I, in order to make sure that I didn't fall into any of those traps, which I'm likely to just like anybody else is, uh, I wanted to keep producing, right? Like, so when I did Justice One, I was like, man, I had this dope idea for a crossover. So I was like, we gotta make, I gotta make it happen. I gotta figure out how to make it happen. Um, and so as I'm doing Justice One through four, basically, we did Nightfall. You know, I, I linked up with two other companies, uh, Constant Hustle Comics and Concept Moon Studios, and we put it together. Um, it was just something I was determined to do. And it was something that I hadn't seen completed in indie comics, uh, or I should say in Black indie comics, right? Because that's a niche within a niche. I mean, it's an important distinction in terms of some what I'm talking about now. Like, you have people that have been in the game, Roosevelt Pitt, he's been in the game for years, right? And they started the Blackout, which was like a cool crossover. But I think it's only like issue two like i had issue one when it came out i grabbed it and it took another three years or, or more for issue two to even come out um and so i had seen people kind of start i had heard about the war of independence um which was like five issues but like again not a finished thing um and i was like man i want to finish the story like again i wanted to do my execution song i knew i wasn't going to do 12 parts but i wanted to do something beefy and complete a story with multiple characters um in this big battle style um adventure style whereas justice is more a dark gritty noir style uh so i, I just i just barreled down man and um just tried to make it happen and thankfully i have supporters i have people who appreciate the work and people who like what i do and like what the other companies are doing so they were interested and we were able to we were able to make it happen right we were able in my opinion to do something that I hadn't seen done before um, in such a short time. Yeah, incredible, incredible amount of work in such a short time. Congratulations on all the success too. Can you talk a little bit about Wingless? Like where does that name come from and what is the meaning behind that? I've I've wanted to ask you that since I saw that. So that's one of the biggest questions I get, right? Um, and <laughs> Sorry, Wingless man. is, a, is yeah. another way. No, no. So, and most of it's in person, right? Most of people are like, what does Wingless mean, right? And it it really is kind of literal. It is what people most think. Um, it's a way of me talking about not necessarily a fallen angel, but a descended angel, right? Like a guardian angel type, which again is is justice, right? Like the story and the, and the company name kind of go together. Yeah. Uh, and that's the idea behind it, right? Like a, a guardian that has far foregone where they were which was a peaceful place or wherever they were in order to be something else somewhere else and create um and protect right uh so that's that's the the pathos behind that but then also um it comes from the matrix man yeah so um in the matrix i think it's in revolutions uh it's been so long but i'm yeah i'm pretty sure it's in revolutions uh, when they go to the club right the merovingians club because they're trying to free neo when they walk up to the entrance they see um what is his name gosh um 
He's in all white. I forget his name right now. I just cannot call it up, and I don't know why. He's the one who fights Neo in Matrix. Yeah, I know he's the one. Um, yeah. I just cannot call up his name. I'm going to scream it in the middle of the night once, once <laughs> it comes up, right? Um, but when he walks up, the two guards that are there, okay, so the lore of the Matrix is these guys, have they were in previous versions of the Matrix, and that's why they're exiles, because they've lived throughout every time it's gotten wiped out, and they've transferred themselves into the new version of the Matrix. So he's like an older version. And so they walk up, and they're like, oh, shit, it's wingless. And he was such a badass. I was like, oh, I, again, from when, you know, 2000 and whatever, 2006 yes. or whatever. Um, I've loved it since then. I've loved the connotation since then. And he was the guardian of the Oracle. You know what I mean? They said he was like one of the former angels in the Matrix. Like the whole deal, like it just all made sense he to me. Like in my, you know, in, in my in my brain, it just it just all made sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense too. Um, now that you uh, explained it that way, but yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, and that is a dope ass character as well. So it makes perfect <laughs> right. sense. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, man, if we could go through just a few of the titles, if you could give us just a little synopsis of of each title, um, just for people that haven't been exposed to Wingless, they could go to your website over at Wingless and check out these titles. But let's let's go one by one, if that's okay with you, Brian, um, because yeah. these titles are awesome. So let's talk about Justice because it is a little bit darker. It is pretty gritty. It's pretty awesome. If you could kind of give us a little quick synopsis of Justice, that'd be amazing. Yeah, so Justice is a descended angel who comes down to Earth, and he was nicknamed the left hand of God when he was up doing his, you know, heavenly thing. And uh, he comes down to Earth kind of to be God's judgment, and he realizes really quickly that the line between good and evil isn't black and white. He always thought it was because he's only on one side of the war, but once he gets into the world, he sees how much gray there is and how much duality there is. So it's him kind of finding his place and understanding, like, what he's actually supposed to do and why. Mm-hmm. And it's uh it's very spawn esque. Um, it's very noir. It's very uh, Frank Miller esque the way it's written. Uh, and I do that purposely because justice is based off of what I like to call Christian mythology. I am not using it as a form. There are some books, and that's their their thing. There's some books that are for religious purposes, right? To teach or to evangelize or whatever the the lesson is. That's not the case. I use a Christian mythology, not unlike Norse mythology, not unlike uh, Egyptian mythology, as you see in comics. So I use it as a base. So whereas we would never call Spawn a religious comic, we would never call Justice a religious comic. It's just a way to explore some of the darker themes and some of the unexplained things um, that we all kind of wrestle with. So it's it's a fish out of water story. um, And he's got these large black wings and he's a total badass. That's good enough for me, man. <laughs> and I'm a huge Spawn fan, so I, I really took to Justice um, right away. So that that's perfect sense. All right, let's jump into Nightfall because uh, that also is another one that's pretty dope. Yeah, Nightfall was, uh, again, Nightfall is our five-part crossover with Constant Hustle Comics and Constant Moon Studios. And it is our big battle, our big Avengers, our big, you know, Justice League type moment. Um our heroes, the heroes from their universe and our universe basically have to get together and stop the end of the world. Um, an ancient secret society is trying to resurrect the ancient world serpent Apep, which is another mythological creature. It's uh, Egyptian mythology, and it's the serpent that would devour the world. So they're trying to bring that serpent back to devour the world, and our heroes have to stop it. So it's like that kind of, it's popcorn fare, right? In the best ways possible. I wanted something where we could, we didn't have to do origin stories for all the heroes we didn't have to do all this great backstory but we could show them all coming together all having some common ground and fighting a big giant snake like who doesn't again who doesn't want to fight a big giant (laughs) snake you know absolutely man all right how about her 
her. She, she's she another long, badass, man. <laughs> right, right. She's actually, and she's got some, this is what I like when writing and creating Nightfall. Yeah. Um, especially in indies, right? In indies, everybody wants their character to be the best because you want your character to be noticed. Yeah. Um, and so Nightfall was very fun in balancing that. Like her, again, her is dope. So she got a, everybody got a glory moment, right? And that's really hard. You even find that in modern, modern cinema pretty hard. If you watch the Fast and the Furious movies, right? You got 10 people that are supposed to be the stars, but yeah. Vin Diesel can do 50 times what they can do, right? <laughs> While they're standing next to him. And that character balance gets lost a lot of times. Yeah. Um, so with her, her is a long-lived immortal uh, created by Malachi Bailey. Uh, and in each carnation, incarnation of her life, every time she dies, she comes back with a different uh, persona. So this particular persona, she's come back and she is a water elemental. So her her task, her journey, her life's purpose right now is to find what her life's purpose is, is to find why she keeps getting killed, why she's having this cycle of life and death, who's hunting her and why. And all of that's obviously going to be unveiled um, as the series progresses. Right, right. That's so cool, man. All right. How about uh, the Saber Initiative? So the Saber Initiative, that is our uh, crime noir story, murder mystery that we are slowly working on in the background here. Because while we have these stories of these heroes and even Nightfall itself, right, and all these things kind of happening, that these are these huge things. Um, I always like the kind of X-Files take on things as well, where it's like, oh, man, are these aliens? Yeah. Did something <laughs> crazy happen? Is this magic? And then it's like there's an FBI guy who's going around. And it's like, no, it's kind of regular. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I got to figure it out. And it's just Jack the Ripper. You know, it's just a regular whole human. So um, Saber Initiative takes that kind of uh, grounded real world take on certain things that are happening within the Wingless Comics universe um, and just exploring the fallout and the damage caused by a literal angel walking around, uh, a water, you know, elemental being there and being like constant pieces in this world. Yeah, yeah. So cool, man. All right. How about Immortalist? Immortalis is chronologically the first um, story we are retelling in the Wingless Comics universe, right? It's obviously not the first thing that would happen, right? Big Bang and all of that. But it's the first story that kind of ties everything in. Uh, there is, uh, it sets the stage for what's to come. So it's about the fall of Byzantium, which um, in our universe, when the last Roman outpost falls, that gives way to the world we have that you see in Justice and Her and Caliburn, where it's like darker and hellhounds walk the earth and vampires. And people just take these for granted. Like they exist and we know and we just have to deal with it. Uh, Immortalis sets the scene for that. That's the seal. That Roman Empire falling is the seal that 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 that, that evil breaks in order to proliferate and kind of take over. Uh, and so Immortalis is the story of the fall of that last Roman um, outpost. It's also the story of... Uh, Emperor Constantine and Gailu and their love and how that is going to affect the rest of the world uh, for millennia to come. Wow. wow. Are we missing any titles? Uh, Not any current ones. We are bringing uh, from Nightfall. There is a character called Avery the Astonishing, and she is uh, a property of Constant Hustle Comics. So we actually are bringing Avery over into the Wingless universe. So in a joint publishing deal, uh, Avery the Astonishing will now be published by Wingless Comics and be directly tied um, into all of our chronology and all of those things. Um, we're also working on bringing over Scarlet Knight, um, which is uh, another indie property. Um, and as we integrate those two, some other things will happen in the next you know, year or two as we kind of, again, continue to expand uh, what we're calling the Wingless Black Label. Uh, no, excuse me, Wingless Gold Label Comics. Those are our original 
American style comics is going to be all gold label stuff. That's so cool, man. What well, I mean, when you first were were wanting to get into publishing, did you is this what you envision? Like, is everything happening what you envision, or has there been some surprises on the way in a positive way where, man, this has even gotten bigger and better than I thought it was going to be? Like, did you expect it to be where you're at right now? I think all of it has been a surprise, right? And like, even the what we would quote unquote call bad is still good. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's and and um, uh, I, I think sometimes we look at bad as bad and not as change. Yeah. Um. I originally, I initially thought that uh, I was going to be publishing with a different publishing group. I thought I would be publishing with someone else and not breaking off and doing wingless myself. Uh. But then doing that was actually the best for both parties, right? Like we can look back at each other and be okay. Whereas when we had our working relationship, it was more stressful, right? Because we had different ideas uh, about business. Uh, so that part has been great. Uh. I I did not when I was writing Nightfall number one. No, excuse me. When Nightfall number one was on Kickstarter, it was a hard campaign. It, uh, Justice number one kind of it didn't fly off the shelves. Right. But it did more than I expected, you know, immediately. So I was like, oh, man, this is great. And so when I went in to go do Nightfall, it was a little bit more difficult. And I knew that I was going to have to change marketing strategies and do all of these things. Um, and I'd asked a friend who's still a really good friend of mine at the time. I was like, man, what do you think the problem is? Or like, you got any tips? Because he's been in the game a little bit longer. Like, what could you tell me? And he was like. He said, like, well, don't you think it's a little too soon to launch a crossover? Um, and my honest reaction was it's it's never too late to follow your dreams. Right. Like and I'm like that was one of those moments. I'm not saying that because it sounds cool on an interview like that was I was speaking from my heart to a friend. Yeah. Right. And I'll never forget that moment because his initial response kind of hurt my feelings. Yeah. Right. And so that's why I was like, no, man, I'm following my dream man. it's never too early for that. Um, and And so. Even in like at the moment what felt like a failure or what felt like a trial again we ended up succeeding the goal we were ended up ended up able to, to publish the next issue and and on and on and on so um i feel like i'm positioned and i've been fortunate enough to be positioned in a place and to work to be in a place where i feel like i'm right at the cusp right i haven't made it now don't get me wrong there are other people and i thank every one of you there are other people who are like man i would i would kill to be where you are or, or man you're doing it like you're you're there for me, I don't necessarily feel there. And I, that's not in a bad way. It's yeah. because I want more. So I feel like um, everything that I've done has taken me to this place. Um, and every move that I make takes me to this place. So it's all victories, right? Again, even the stumbles, even the, oh man, I got to, you know, reflect on how I did this, how I did that. Um, and also sometimes the things that you love the most are not what gets the public's attention the most, right? Sometimes it takes, it takes Air Force One's for people to say, oh, man, let me go look at his justice stuff, right? It takes justice for people to go look at her and vice versa. So I just think it's all a really, really great place to be. Yeah. And I think that anybody is capable of it. But you have to also stay business minded, right? We can't just be creators, unfortunately, um, because it's it's not it's the entertainment business. It's not the entertainment creativity. Right. So I think if you stay creative, but also business minded, there's no way you can fail. I said a long time ago, someone had asked about justice or someone had said something kind of a little spicy about justice um, online. And I had to tell not them or I, cause I don't care about the person in general, but I told the people that follow me, like, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. I'm going to produce justice until I no longer want to produce justice because I can do that out of my pocket. 
yeah. right? I'm going to continue making comics until I don't want to make comics anymore. And sometimes that's the mentality you have to have because you've just got to push through things because it's like that meme you see, right? Like the guy who's digging for diamonds or whatever. And like he chisels right up to the edge where like the next thing, like if he chisels one more time, it's a diamond, but he stops. Yeah. Like you just can't stop, you know, overnight success doesn't happen overnight. So every victory, every loss you take, in my opinion, is ultimately a victory as long as you keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point, Brian. Such a good point, man. Well, let's jump into air force ones. Um, Man, the artwork looks fantastic. Right when um, you first posted that this was going to be a Kickstarter, I'm like, damn, that sounds so incredible. Um, and I feel like a lot of other people felt the same way because <laughs> with 11 days to go, you're already at 109%. So congratulations. Before thank you. We thank you. Here, we were talking about the stresses of a Kickstarter. Not that this has not been stressless. I'm sure there's still a lot of stress with Air Force One, but you got to yeah. feel good that everyone has received uh, what you're you're putting out there because you're at 109 percent, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is this is our most ambitious goal to yeah. date. Right. Our last the her campaign went over 10k but our goal was significantly lower this campaign the goal was 10k right so to be we reached the goal i think you know three days ago or something like that so we've been beyond the goal for a minute and it's that's you know as well as i do that's a weight off your shoulders right regardless of anything else that happens between yeah. now and the end of the time um that's just a weight off your shoulders to say okay we made the goal we don't have to sweat we're not down to the wire you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because with Kickstarters, right, you're always trying to garner new attention. Uh, can I put out some more art? Can I, what's the next stretch goal I'm going to give them? Can I give them, you know, um, it's all these little things that you're trying to do to to get your audience engaged and to keep your audience engaged, which can be kind of difficult, especially if you're not trying to spoil things, um, if you're trying to not overdo it. So, you know, you got a 22 page book. This one is 70, thank, thank the Lord. But like you got a 22 page book and you put 10 pages, preview pages up there. Yeah. You're running the low on pages you can show people <laughs> at that point, right? Yeah. Um, but I also remember that uh, I, had, uh, I had a buddy um, once say that, like, even though you've seen it before, somebody else hasn't, right? So if you've seen the same poster that you keep posting, you've seen it. Yeah. But there's always somebody who hasn't. So continue to post, continue to do. Um, and Air Force Ones um, is is an idea that I have not seen done this way. Yeah. Obviously, there are multiple Gundam series. Gundam is in the top tell top 10 highest selling series and merch of all time, right? It's up there with everything, Disney and Sailor Moon and Pokemon, you know, et cetera, right? So people know about Gundam as a franchise. I have never seen Gundam or large mech robot battles mixed with Black American culture. Right, no. Uh, and again, that's, so that was, that's important to me, right? Just as much as, a show like Samurai Champloo is a great show, yeah. right? But the soundtrack on Samurai Champloo makes it an epic show. It puts it in in everybody's top 10, top 20 of greatest anime of all time, right? If it doesn't have that soundtrack, yeah, uh, it may crack top 100, right? Top 50, but the soundtrack is a big part. Um, so the, the same, I wanted that same thing. I wanted um, to do something that I love in a storytelling style that I love yeah. from my perspective. Uh, and I think the best writing and the best storytelling comes from your perspective, whatever that might be. Mine is what it is because of who I am, right? Um, if I were you, my perspective would be different and I would champion you writing it the same way, right? 
from your perspective, when people drop out of their own perspectives, I think that's when we have a lot of issues with storytelling and narrative bases and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, dude, I wanted, I wanted, um, I wanted 808s and, and, you know, big loot crates, you know, I don't, I don't you know what I mean? Like I wanted this, I wanted that, that kind of cultural shift and that yeah. cultural duality um, in order to tell this story that I think is pretty dope. I mean, I'm putting myself for lack of better words in the, in the middle of a mech, a giant robot, you know what I mean? Like who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> it sounds pretty amazing to me. Can you give us a, a quick like synopsis of what people could expect from air force ones from a story perspective? Yes. So Air Force Ones is the story of Nas Williams, Sky Williams and Maui Gray, who are Academy cadets um, in this world that's pretty similar to ours, but far in the future. And just, you know, some tweaks that are a little bit different. Um, and after the Exodus War, they um, they are uh, they have mandatory military service. So these three Academy cadets end up stumbling upon legendary mad gear, which are these ancient kind of robots that were used to win the war. Uh, and so when they find these robots, it makes it easy or it gives them a path uh, to find freedom for all of Lower Earth. Lower Earth is under the oppression of Elysia, which is like the utopian society that, that lives above everybody in these raised uh, islands. And uh, the way they're able to do that is by oppressing Lower Earth. So um, they find the keys to 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 victory and to revolution through finding these legendary Mad Gear. Um, and that's just the beginning of the new war. That's awesome. Sounds incredible. Can you talk? This is crazy, man. So uh, we were just talking before this, right? Uh, you had a post on TikTok where you were showing a action figure um, that people could expect. And I got goosebumps just thinking about it. I think it's every <laughs> comic book creator's dream to have a comic book, but then also to have some action figures that tie into that comic book. Yes. You are making it happen, Brian. Can you talk about how that transition from storytelling to action figures uh, took place and where you're at with that? Uh, I So as much as I work or, or whatever else, right, and, and you try to create great stories, I like to say that I study just as much, right? So I grew up, again, on Transformers, on Robotech, on Voltron, Transor Z, like all these, you know what I mean? Again, the, the, the big 80s cartoon boom, right? We were getting it from Japan and we were getting it from America. Yeah. Um, and Exo Squad, right? I keep forgetting to mention Exo Squad. And I'm saying that on purpose because Exo Squad was dope and yeah. super underrated. Yeah. Um, and so when I went into, I was like, okay, I want to do a mech story, right? The idea for Air Force Ones literally came to me in my sleep, not in a dream, just in, you know, that sleep moment where you're kind of awake and most of the time you don't write the idea down. And so when you really wake up, you've forgotten it. And you're like, damn it, I had this one. Um, I wrote this one down, yeah. right? Something about it was like, get up and write it down. Um, and so like, it came to me kind of in my sleep. And um, so the next thing I did was research, honestly. I went and researched Gundam to see, I mean, I'd already watched the sh cartoons. I had a couple of the books and stuff. I got some light novels, but I wanted to see where it stood again, in merchandising and sales and all these other things um, and how it was able to do so many, there's so many Gundam series, yeah. right? And I, I just wanted to know how. Um, and one of the things they said about the original Gundam was it was to sell toys, yeah. right? That's why Amaro Ray is like young. It's because there's, you know, young kids are supposed to connect with it and then they can be the pilot, then they want to be the pilot, blah, 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 blah. And as a grown man, I see the uh, RX-78 in Japan that's the movable one. I want to go pilot that right now, right? I still have that feeling. So I was like, okay, how do I do that? What is the link? 
people love comics, they love manga, but what is this other thing that I want as a as a consumer? And I was like, well, I want to, I want to, I want to play with the figure, right? <laughs> Immediately, like I want that, right? So when it was something that I wanted for me, again, it just it, it came down to research. How do we do this? Um, is there a way? Is there a path to it? Is there a cost effective path to it? And um, I will say relatively cost effective, but not it's not inexpensive, right? Um, you're never going to get an inexpensive version of a good figure. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things where, again, I think that as indies, we kind of not slack on, yeah. but we'll get some kit bash stuff. Somebody who can paint pretty good will just put it together. And that's cool, yeah. right? That's I'm not, I'm not downing that. That's great. But you can't really resell those. You can't set that up as a platform that'll go for longer than the life of what you're doing. I wanted, I want to set the infrastructure, right? So I know that these are professional grade yet home produced. I don't know of another way to say it, right? Like Mattel is not doing them is what I mean. Like this is just like where I'm doing small press publishing. I'm doing small press action figure creation, right? Um, and so I knew I wanted to do that, but I wanted to set the structure just like small press publishing is for a bigger, larger entity to be able to take my infrastructure and say, okay, hey, you sold X amount of units. This is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to make the next set of units. So then we can sell those. Yeah. Um, and that is what I wanted to do. And I wanted to do everything from wingless is industry quality. And I even wanted to make sure that the action figures were and are. That's why we're still prototyping. That's why we're still working out, you know, the articulation so that we get it right. Like I said, the figure is right here behind me. I love it. It's it's I have I have it in its case right now and I'm putting it on the wall later on. So I don't play with it. Right. So I'm not, <laughs> you know, what I mean, like doing the whole kid thing because I 100 percent would myself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, again, I wanted to just make a structure. So we had something where there's a path for me, right. And what I want to do, but ultimately I can potentially put out the infrastructure for other people to be able to do it as well. And to, to be able to say, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three, here's all the money you need to do it. And now here we go. Yeah. Um, if, if at the end of this, if at the end of air force ones, I'm the Todd McFarlane of indie comics, I'll take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, McFarlane toys are amazing. I know you got a bunch of them, right. I got the, uh you hundred of them, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I got the Angelic Spawn on pre-order right now. I'm waiting yeah. for March 1st. It needs to be at my door, right? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be an awesome place to be. I think that, like, like you said, collectors like yourself, like myself, we love that kind of stuff. And it, and it is a dream to see going from your mind and writing something is one thing, right? And you see it on paper, and that's great. But then you get an artist to draw it, and then you really see it on paper, and that's even better. Yeah. Then you get somebody that print it and paint it and and it, you can hold it that's a whole new level a hundred percent man like i said that transition from a desire to have an action figure to doing a little research and realizing man this is a little bit expensive and then like maybe hiding that dream for a while and then to meet someone like you that pushes through that to be able to bring something forth that like you said uh, you know i, I have a, a a couple 3d uh printed um, of my own characters, right? And they're great, man. Mm -hmm. You know, me and my daughter mm -hmm. are painting them. But at the end of the day, me and my daughter painted them, right? And so they're cool, mm -hmm. but they're not something that you would be super proud to sell to somebody else, let alone yeah. sit next to the rest of my McFarlane and my uh, Marvel Select toys and all that stuff. You're producing mm -hmm. something that could stand with any of those other figures, just from what I saw on the video. I mean, it looks ultra detailed, 
Um, what is it about nine, twelve inches? It's, it's actually eleven, just over eleven, 11 inches. It's huge. Yeah. So I mean, that's I a, will say that's beefy, <laughs> man. That's beefy, Brian. Like you're man, you're not messing around. I man. love it. <laughs> but it did suck to paint as well, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. Had, I had to paint the prototype, right? Right. Um, right. To, in order to get it done, to so somebody else could see my vision. Yeah. Um, and and fun, but I was like, man, it sucks. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> Getting in there and all the cracks and 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 different things. Which again, um, I'm working with some inter- industry professionals to get it um articulated. So then even the painting process is a little bit easier, right? Because then we can put it together like you're really putting together, like your average figure would be put together in a factory. Um, so it's just the little things and, and don't get me wrong. This is, I'm spending a couple K on this, right? Like on, on the figures in general, yeah. um, to get them all done. Right. Uh, because again, it's, it's just not the, the people that do this in their industry get paid a lot of money to make sure these figures are right. Um, and so when you're working with them, you have to pay a lot of money too. Yeah. Um, that's not a bad thing, but it's one of those things. It's like, okay, cool. Well, figure out the budget, figure out the time yeah. and, um, I, I, we do have this thing again, I think in Indies, if nothing else, where people are scared to take a step back so they can take a step forward. Yeah. Right. Um, a lot of people want to pretend, and I do mean pretend yeah. that they're independent and working out of the green. You're not, yeah. or you very rarely are right. There are a couple companies and a couple people you can, and we can count them on, you know, 10 fingers or whatever. Usually if you're lucky working from the black or a little bit of the red, and it is what it is because a lot of businesses work from the red, Right. Like uh, Amazon worked from the red for like ten years for right? a long time, <laughs> and it, right? Right? And it's like a and it's like the largest company ever. Yeah. So, um, it's one of those things of like, okay, is is taking this step back and yeah. the money that I would have put in my pocket, yeah. Can I? Am I going to use that to to bolster the 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 industry and the company again? You know what I mean? Am I going to use that instead of again instead of taking a vacation or whatever? All right, I got to go put that money into into these in-depth prototypes, into getting this stuff done, right? Because that is what's more important um, than anything else. And so, again, take a step back in order to take two or three steps forward. Yeah, yeah. My wife will tell you I've been taking a lot of steps back, and she's waiting <laughs> for that opportunity when I start to go forward. So, <laughs> okay. it'll come, man. It'll it'll, it'll it'll be there, right? It really is just the. It really is overnight success doesn't happen overnight, and it's just you never know when that idea is going to catch fire. You never know when that thing's going to happen, but it does. Mm-hmm. You just again, most people just stop before, right? And if again, if you're not if you're not putting yourself into the, you know into homelessness, then I say, go for it. Right. <laughs> if you got to cut back on a couple of the meals out, which I've had to, right. You got to cut back on a few little things here and there. Um, then I think it's worth it, you know, especially bringing your, your passion, um, to the forefront. Right. I mean, that's what this is all about. So that's awesome, man. So like, how do you, cause I would be so excited, right. I'd be like, okay, I, 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 if I had that 11 inch figure in front of me and I saw how dope it looked, I'd already be talking about all the other figures that I want to start to create out of that same story. Um, how are you self like focusing just on that one character? And you got to be thinking a little bit forward, like what will be that next character? Or is that something that you're not sharing yet? So on the campaign itself, we actually have four characters um, okay. that are for sale. So the prototype, the only prototype we were able to finish before the rollout of the campaign, fully painted, et cetera, was that one. So that was why I did that one. I worked on that one first. And initially, it was going to be the only one on the campaign if I didn't get the the uh, 3D prototypes and the files for the other ones back. 
I got them like two days before the campaign, if if that much, right? So we're still in the prototyping phase of getting those printed all the way out and getting those fully painted so we can display them the same way. Um, but uh, again, I thought the, the mechs are important. I remember being a kid and like wanting a Veritech, right? Like I wanted Skull One. Uh, I remember, you know, everybody wants Optimus Prime. I know Bumblebee is big right now, right? But yeah. no one really wanted Bumblebee. Also, there was a, they always shorted the stock on Bumblebee. He wasn't like a cool figure, you know what I mean? But like Soundwave was a cool figure. Soundwave. Um, um, uh, Grimlock was a cool figure. You had these ones that look both uh, beefy that are great. Like, yeah. look, um, Camaro Bumblebee is great. That's yeah. a bigger figure than, than Bug Bumblebee. Yeah. Um, so I thought the same way. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. If I do action figures that are the people, like, okay, but are they really the attraction? Yeah. They're going to drive the story, but are they the attraction? Nah, man, uh, the mechs are the attraction. Uh, so that was my mindset of like giving these mechs their own personality as well. Yeah. And having their own little character driven elements to them. And so that was super important. And that was the reason that I've I've done what I have. And again, if you have an 11 inch figure and you're going to put like a little, the little tiny, tiny action figure in there, I feel like it's, there's not, it's cool if I'm able to do it. Right. But there's not really the necessity for it. Well, the necessity is having these huge robots go at it, you know, left and right. And um, quiet as it's kept, this is the only place I've said it outside of my team. I want to go back to, like the Star Wars kind of things where they had like the sets, right? You can get the Ewok village and, you know, the, the Sarlacc pit. Like, I think it would be really cool if I'm able to create these like fields of battle yeah. um, where you have kind of the, the, the mech battling it out. Just, you know what I mean? Just large yeah. enough to where it's cool and some destructible environment kind of stuff. Uh, I'm still working that out. I don't know how long that's going to take or how feasible it is based on what I want to do in my brain, but um, I have a good team, and and so hopefully we'll figure it out by Series 2, because we're already talking about um, there has to be a Series 2. We already know we're going to do Volume 2 of the comic, but Series yeah. 2 of the figures, and so kind of what we roll out then, um, I, it's just, you know, again, it's upwards and onwards, and so it's pretty dope. I got chills thinking about it, Brian. I, that is so cool, man. That is so cool. So let, let's talk back on uh, Air Force One. So this first issue, um, you said it was 80 page? Uh, it's 70 plus. So um, it all, it's also going to depend on where the Kickstarter ends up. Uh, we have two stretch goals up right now. Uh, at 15K, we're, everybody's going to get a randomized keychain. That will be one of the um, models, one of the mechs. It's one of the four mechs. Uh, we're just going to print up a bunch of those, get the keychains going, and it'll just be randomized for everybody, um, um, for every physical backer. And then at 20K, we're going to add 20 pages to the story. Nice. So we're anywhere from 70 to 100 depends on kind of where we end up. Um, we're also going to have some just uh, supplemental material as well. You know what I mean? Some little write-ups on the mechs and just like little things, you know what I mean? Like little yeah. interest pieces. Um, Cause I think it's cool and kind of in the mind of what we were doing. And I want some, some people, I would love them to see the difference between the script and the pages. Like you said, like you like some of the art and uh, Iqbal, who is our illustrator. This guy's insane, man. I'll be the first one to say it. he's just crazy. We, we, I told him, you know, I'll do like five pages on a panel and he gets back to me and it's like seven or eight and he's got all these little angles and the, the face shots and stuff. And he's like, no, 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 I did it because of the drama. And then I'm like, Hey man, thank you. You did not have to do that, but God, it looks great. And so thank you. Like, let's, you know, let's move. Um, so it's those kinds of things that I really try to like 
jump on and make sure that we give people what I like to look for in a book, right? I love the book itself and I love the story itself, but just kind of getting in the brain of the author and the creator and the writer sometimes and the the illustrator is, is kind of cool too, to just see how that process works. Because I think we can also demystify creating comics. It's difficult, but it's yeah. not impossible. And so people, it, it's kind of cool to kind of show people like, no, no, you can do it. You still got to study a little bit. You still got to research. You still got to do work, but it's not impossible. Yeah. 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 No, for sure, man. This is so exciting, Brian, man. I'm so happy for you uh, with the success of the Kickstarter and with 11 more days. <laughs> I hope, I hope we get to those uh, thresholds where you're adding 20 more pages, but you, you already like how far in advance do you have this story going? Like, have you already written quite a bit and are you already very well into like that second arc of the story or are you just focusing right now on this current arc and getting that done for the Kickstarter? A little bit of both. I have the overarching story in general. So in my mind right now, it's four volumes. The volumes will increase in length as we dive further into it. I needed to I needed to do 70 pages right now to see where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see volume two being less than 120. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I know the I know the overall story. I have some things written down for issue or uh, for volume two. And if you look through the Kickstarter, actually the pages that are up on Kickstarter right now, the preview pages that we have, if you pay attention, they're actually telling you a lot of the story. They're chronologic. Yeah. A lot of people didn't get that. And I was like, no, 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 they're chronologically done from beginning to almost the end of the story. So you can see how things kind of develop. I, obviously, you, you can't put the pieces together of what's yeah. definitively happening from a narrative standpoint. But um, yeah, I have all of that down. That's all written out. Um, and, and it's going the way it should. So when we go into volume two, it's it's going to be um, it's it's like a handoff. It's like a like a runner's handoff. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it's going to be seamless. Um, so it's it's definitely a relay race to get all four of these volumes. For right now, it may the volumes might increase depending on how the story goes. But again, I've got a four act four volume story in mind. So cool, man. Man, Brian, you're doing it, bro. You're doing it, man. You're doing what I think all indie creators want to get to, man. So congratulations on that. The action figure, um, at least the one from the the TikTok. I can't wait to go back and look at the others. I'm sure they all look the same, but man, that first one that you showed, I got chills looking at it, man. It just it looks so detailed. Um, I don't know, man. It's perfection. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Like I said, it was it was fun doing. It was difficult, but I feel like the things that we do, like you said, the passions, man, it's all worth it. Um, so yeah, we uh, we got the picture, the prototype pictures from the three D image files up for the other figures. Uh, as the year, because I gave myself a long time, right? The prototyping process. Another thing, mm-hmm. indies, we rush things too much, right? Even with, I want to get my shirts out and my hoodies and my this and my that. I did the same thing. No yeah. one knows these characters yet. Um, so you really got to be very very strategized in how you do things. Um, and so that's the phase we're at. And so as we work on getting all of these, again, articulated throughout the year and getting them printed and getting them painted, um, I'm going to be updating the process. One, because it's kind of cool for me too, like we said, with TikTok and everything else, it creates some content so people can kind of see what you're doing. Um, and I just want everybody to kind of be in on the process with me yeah. as I create these things. Like as I do it, I feel like it's just a fun way to kind of bring people in and and show again that like this is something that not inexpensive but yeah. something that's possible right um so i think that's important 
Amazing, Brian. Congratulations, man. Are we missing anything? Is there anything else that you want people to know about this current Kickstarter? Um, you know, 109%, but you still have 11 days to go. So there's plenty yes, of time sir. for people to get in right now and jump on that. And trust me, when you go to the Kickstarter and you look at the artwork, you look at the story, you look at the action figures, you're going to want to jump in, man. This is by far probably going to be the most exciting indie comic to come out in the first quarter of 2024, I think, um, just because of everything that you're doing that's surrounding the comic book, right? You have to have a good artwork. You have to have a good story. But then when you have those two things and you throw in an action figure and all the other things that you're doing, Brian, it, it's got to be one of the top uh, indie uh, comics that are coming out at the beginning of the year. I appreciate that. I mean, that's the, well, the goal is to, the, to peacock a little bit, right? Like the goal yeah, is yeah. to do something the best you can. Um, and that's really the point. And so, again, I'm a I'm a very big study of of, of cartoons, of comics, uh, and I've consumed this media my entire life, and not in a way of just watching it, right? Like studying it while it's there and understanding the mechanics of it and why it does what it does. Uh, so being able to bring something again that I'll never be able to go back and be in Robotech, the Macross saga, right? But maybe I write one that's just as good, right? Maybe I get a chance to write the screenplay. Like, who knows, right? Like, that's my pitch for this stuff. Uh, so I wanted to have that level of, of magnitude, and I'm glad that people are seeing that. Again, I'm, I'm working with a great team. Um, Iqbal is an amazing artist, as well as uh, uh, Victor. Victor is a great uh, colorist. Uh, my my team for letters over at Broommakers, they're amazing. Brett Hillisham, my editor, who works with Wings Comics, Indie Comics Dispatch. Like, all of these little elements going into it and all the people I'm working with uh, has really made this a project that I've always been in love with, but other people can see that love and that passion. So again, we have 11 days. Check out the story. Again, we got 10 preview pages on there. We've got multiple covers. We've got shoes. We've got action figures. We've got t-shirts. We've got the entire thing. Uh, the book itself is going to be over 70 pages. Uh, we just got a lot that we're offering and purposefully offering that to people because we want to add value to this comic space. Um, I also want to be in a place, obviously it's important to me, um, there are a lot of diversity initiatives. There are a lot of things that go on and you get the discourse back and forth to woke to this, to that. Um, uh, I don't listen to a lot of that. I hear it. Right. But I don't listen to a lot of that. What my focus is, is to create a place for marginalized people of all forms to be able to tell stories. Right. And so we've seen that historically through X-Men, through Gundam, through all these things, we're talking about child soldiers. We're talking about proliferation of war. We're talking about social inequities. We're talking about all of these things and under a fantasy, you know, guys, even Tolkien was talking about the war machine in Lord of the Rings, guys. So um, I want to continue voicing those things from my perspective. I want hip hop beats inside yeah. giant mechs, right? For sure. I don't know that it gets better than that, right? If you yeah. hear a thumping hip hop beat if you hear dmx anybody who's played through one of your right, figures man oh my gosh right <laughs> right 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 so this is i feel ah. like that um right there it's made for that right it's made yeah. for these things and so um i want to add that uh, element to it yeah. i want to do it in a good way and i want to story tell and on and on and on so that's my goal and that's my purpose um with this also just creating some fun again for guys like yourself and myself to be able to put these figures on the wall and say like man this looks dope and it looks just as good as anything else um and in terms of being able to create the infrastructure for other indies um in the future so there's a lot that goes into this behind the scenes and in front of the scenes in front of the scenes is you're going to get a badass dope book right like you're going to get something that's a great story wingless comics is known for great stories we're known for great art we've done this we've multiple awards etc etc none of that matters right what matters is the content and that's what we're known for so now you're going to get this other element of 
of creating this platform where we can do more with what we have, right? And again, not just us, it's going to start with us, but you have to imagine that the people like yourself that I talk to or Fourth Wall or Advent Comics, we're going to be able to open some of these doors um, so that all of us can kind of walk through them. Again, it's it's a worthy project. It's my favorite. It's my favorite to date, right? Justice is my baby. Yeah, yeah. But I'm having so much fun yeah. with Air Force Ones because it's kind of outside of what I normally do. Um, it's something that I've loved uh, my entire life. So it's a great chance to get to do it. Um, and I feel like everybody who reads it or everybody who goes to the campaign will see that from what I've written so far. And it still has my deep lore type storytelling. We've got hundreds of years of war and plots and da 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 and on and on and on that I, I consistently do. So you get all the elements that you're used to and a bunch of things that are brand new and are going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm all in for it, uh, Brian. I cannot wait to get my copy of uh, this issue and to see these uh, these uh, action figures come to life, man. I'll have to dust off a little uh, portion of my shelf to get it ready, man. <laughs> man, I'm gonna be looking. Uh, I'm gonna be looking at all your TikToks with like a little magnifying glass every time. This is where, where, yeah, yeah, man. You, you got a, you got a huge it? collection, man. Uh, so I can't wait, man. Yeah, I mean, neither, man. And Brian, congratulations, man. Uh, I wish you nothing but all the success. Um, well deserved. The amount of work that you put into this and the thought that I've gone into this is uh, it's it's really, I think, a pattern for indie creators that when you are creating, um, like you said, spend some time and to to really dig in and figure out ways that you could enhance everything that you're thinking about. Um, because yeah, you've, you've put a lot of thought into this, you and the team. And so congratulations to everybody at, at wingless and, and anybody that's involved with the action figure. Cause I, I think this is going to blow up, man. And I can't wait to have you back on when, uh, when like a, an animated feature <laughs> film or something's being done, man, that would be amazing, Brian. Yeah, man, we're working on it, man. We're really trying. So also I, I before we go, I wanted to mention, yeah. I forgot, So we do have a, just that animated teaser up there. It's only one minute long. But um, Alex Henderson, a very, very talented animator um, who's got a couple projects under his belt as well, came through and put that together for us. So obviously, like, we're pitching for all of it. Like, we want that. Yeah. We want that ability to to kind of showcase. It's indies never get a chance until an indie gets a chance, right? You get, like, a Robert Kirkman. And, like, is he an indie? Technically, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> is he, right? Like, is he, is, he, is, he, is he an indie like you and I? Not yeah. necessarily, right? So I really, really hope, pray, and I'm putting my creative muscles and strategic muscles and business muscles to being able to have that platform and to be an indie who jumps out the gate and says, no, we do have an animation yeah. uh, produced, you know what I mean? And, and continuing um, along that path. So, I mean, that's the next step then, right, Brian? Once this is all done, once the action figures are out, the next step would be able to take this maybe first arc and figure uh, or put it into animation. Is that kind of the idea of what you'd like to do? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, so if, with this project, if we had hit 100K, which is still not impossible, you know, yeah. I got 11 days. You never know what's going to happen, right? No. Uh, but um, so, again, on the stretch goals, we have we have listed a 15K stretch goal and a 20K the others are still mystery goals um, that we'll unveil as we cross those thresholds. But at the very, very bottom, I put like, if we get 100K, there's going to be some substantial animated content coming out. Um, because again, animated content is not cheap. No, no. But it's very feasible though, right? It's possible to do if you do the right things. 
Um, so I'm also dedicated to that. Like if we are able to, we will be giving that content. And if we're not able to now, then that just means we're going to have to be strategic and wait a few years and build over time so mm -hmm. that we can, because it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it just, it's just the timing of it. Uh, and so uh, that is definitely the next step. The next step is, is making this a franchise, not unlike Gundam. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you have all the, the pieces in place for that to happen, right? It's just time and money, man, is usually what it takes, yeah. right? And uh, yeah. hopefully we have time, but money, man, you gotta, you gotta do these things in order to uh, get the the message out there so that more people will want to invest into this property. That's going to bring them that kind of that joy, that, that eighties feel that uh, you and I grew up with, man. That's what it's right. all about. Right. Right. Definitely. Definitely. We need some angel investors, man. And so like, yeah. uh, that's what it boils down to, right? It's just yeah, getting sure. people to imagine what you're imagining, to see what you're seeing. Um, Disney is great at it. And I know Disney is a multi-billion dollar corporation, right? But Disney is really good at that. If you look at what they've done with Star Wars, like the land. don't yeah. I'm not talking about the movies and everything else. But like if you look yeah. at the properties and bringing you in um, and, and, and helping you imagine what you imagined as a kid, right? Taking you back there. That's a really big thing. And uh, again, that's something that I'm trying to capture the essence of even at this small level because if we get you know if we can show and prove at this small level it's not just me at the end of the day i can say hey man i got a buddy and he did this you know what i mean like it, again it just opens those doors if we're able to capitalize on what we're actually already doing yeah. um and that's the kind of space that i'm trying to be in and trying to maneuver wingless comics and wingless entertainment into yeah well i feel like you're on your way my friend you're on your thank way. you i appreciate you man. <laughs> Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. You always are welcome. Anytime you want to come on, we'd love to have you back. Um, but I'm super excited for everything that's coming from Wingless. And I'm glad to, uh, in a very small way, be a little bit of a part of it because I'm going to have that uh, title in my hand <laughs> very soon. And uh, I cannot wait for it, man. It looks Thank you, Tommy. I appreciate it. And I'm also going to, uh, I'm on the board of Indie Comics Dispatch and Indie Comics Dispatch Magazine just came out the first issue. So I'm going to forward your information. I've been doing it for a lot of indies and a lot of people I think have worthy projects. I'm going to forward that to Brett and the team over there because I would like them to do a feature. I will be hands off, right? Because I don't think it's right for me to, to maneuver like that, but I do think it's right to deliver material that I'm aware of. Uh, so I, I have no doubt you'll get a spotlight and Quentin rushing does a lot of reviews. I have no doubt he'll, he'll, he'll jump at uh, reviewing, reviewing your books and stuff. So uh, I, I do think that this is definitely like not a give and take. Right. But I feel like we all have got to support each other. We do. Um, and yeah. so I definitely want to make sure that I support you as much as you supported me. And I appreciate you even having me on the podcast um, and, and just chat with me and, and geeking out about the stuff that we geek out about. I love that part of it. That's what this is all about, man. I mean, uh, the start of this podcast was twofold, right? One, the highlight indie comics. I, I feel like as much negativity that happens within comic books about whether sales are up or sales are down, the undeniable fact is that I feel there's a resurgence around indie comics. And it's really hard to quantify because it's all through Kickstarter, which we don't have a lot of data that talks about the sales that come from Kickstarter. So you kind of have to pay attention to it to, to realize how powerful Kickstarter, Indiegogo, Fund My Com there's a bunch of them, right? Um, when you look at the data of comic book sales, a lot of it doesn't have what's taking place in this whole other world through, um, you know, uh, like funding comic books, right? Mm -hmm. And when you look at it, there is a lot of content out there and there's some people doing amazing 
things. So I, I feel with all this other talk about negativity, I like to kind of ignore that. I want to focus on this indie area because there is some amazing storytelling that's taking place that, and this is no fault to Marvel DC. They just can't tell these type of stories because these characters have, you know, 80 years worth of history. It would be mm -hmm. weird to throw in a transformer in the middle of a Superman, um, right? You can't do that. But over in this world, right, you have wingless that could create something where all these type of Gundam style um, characters, uh, mech characters are taking place. And you could tell this story that doesn't have to hold to 80 years worth of tradition. And I love that about indie comics. And what we're seeing, at least from my perspective, is within the indie um, world, you're having stories that are coming about that are just incredible that can't be told anywhere else. So I, I wanted to create a podcast where I could have these indie creators come on um, mixed in with some Marvel and DC because that highlights and brings more attention mm -hmm. to the indie. And if you could create this kind of a world, we could help uplift indie um, creators. And so that was the main purpose of it. And then on the selfish side, right, as an indie creator myself, I get to talk to people like you that have done more than I have been able to do up to my point in indie comics. And I could understand um, what, things to do, what things not to do in my own uh, little world um, through help of having someone like you on that's more experienced. And so the, it was kind of twofold, right? Let's uplift indie, but it's also, I could interview these folks and I can learn from them and hopefully gain really amazing knowledge where I could become a better writer, creator, and all those good things. So um, hopefully it's working for everybody. I'm, I'm glad that you were on because you're doing things that I'm dreaming of hopefully doing with my own creation one day. And uh, it's just awesome to hear the success that you're having, Brian. And truly, truly, um, I, I really want to see you uh, capture all these uh, thoughts that you have up here of what you want to do with Air Force Ones and everything else you're doing at Wingless because it's incredible, man. And it just helps the rest of the indie uh, um, world, right? If you're successful, um, I think it's going to draw attention to this India uh, scene that uh, you and I both love, man. Agreed. Agreed. A rising tide lifts all boats, right? All it lifts boats, all ships. So I just, yeah, just want to yeah, have I'm my all, paddle boat out there somewhere, man. I know <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we got you, man. We got you, man. It's awesome. It's yeah. going to be great, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Brian. Like I said, please, anytime you want to come on, let me know. Um, love to have you back. Love talking with you and uh, congratulations on all the success to you and the entire team at wingless, man. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And we'll definitely be back again. We got some more prototypes. We got to talk about real soon, man. No, man, I can't wait, man. Cause that first one that I saw in your video is so dope, man. I got chills. Yeah. Yeah. I did too. I'm not gonna lie. Like when I opened up the box, man, I had to like, Oh, wait a minute, do a video because you know what I mean? So it, it was, it was so, I mean, I can say it now. If you could tell, I had already opened up the box. Like that's why they came out. They weren't wrapped in anything. Right. Cause I'd already, I'd already looked, but I was like, Oh man, go put it, close it. <laughs> do this video so that you can show other people how cool it looks right so um yeah yeah man, it's awesome sometimes when i get a mcfarland figure that i've been waiting for in the mail um i'll, I'll open it and uh and then you pretend like you're opening it for the first time i stopped yeah. doing that man look look i opened it. i had to see what it looked like but now i'm gonna reopen it for all of you right it's all good now imagine that being my own figure and getting that box right the there's no way in hell i'm opening that in front of a screen for the first time right 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 <laughs> I right wait. i I just put a little piece of tape on there and I cut it again. And I'm like, oh man, wow, I didn't know it looked this great. I'm like, I do the whole year. Yeah, yeah. Hey, a little bit of showmanship. You got to have it. A little it, bit of showmanship, man. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs>
Yeah. All right, Mr. Brian, thank you, uh, sir. I really appreciate you coming on. And until next time, man, have an amazing week and we'll talk soon. You as well, Tommy. Thank you, bro. Yeah, you bet.